You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome to a Tuesday edition of Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. I'm Wes Goldberg, and I'm here with David Vermill. We've got a great show for you today. We'll talk about if Clay Thompson can reach another level once he returns from his ACL tear, how many games we expect Kawhi to play this season, and then we dive into the Brooklyn Nets' new court design. But let's start with one of the Brooklyn Nets' newest players. By most accounts, Kevin Durant is due to miss his first season as a member of the Nets after rupturing his Achilles tendon in the finals. Now, there are whispers he could actually play for them this year, at least according to the New York Post. Quote, Though Nets GM Sean Marks refused to rule Durant out for the season, the feeling within the league is trending toward him potentially playing this season. End quote. David, do you expect to see KD on the court this season? No, I think the Post is kind of looking into things. I think they're trying to build interest in a team that hasn't really had much interest in, well, quite some time, if ever. You know, the the the, the stands at the Barclay Center are generally underfilled, mm. let's say. And I think this is a lot of that is that with the acquisition of hometown hero Kyrie Irving and, of course, one of the best players in the league in Kevin Durant, that there's finally a buzz about this team that hasn't ever existed. And I think they're trying to capitalize and give hope to a fan base that is looking for any reason to hope whatsoever. So I'll, I'll go a little step further. I hope that the Brooklyn Nets don't play Kevin Durant because I think then they're only, not only are they jeopardizing their hopes for a potential title at any point in the Kevin Durant window, but they're probably jeopardizing Durant's career as well. And I think that's something that Sean Marks wouldn't be willing to do. I think he recognizes the importance of maintaining your, your superstar player's health above all else. And I don't think he's going to force him out into the court anytime soon. Like, I mean, I understand the buzz is there. I understand Kevin Durant wants, and particularly KD, a guy who has always really looked to, to you know, kind of be embraced by a fan base. He was obviously loved in Oklahoma City. I don't think he ever quite felt that in Golden State. And that's why he's moved on, at least partly. And so to me, I think he would love to be able to kind of build on that buzz, build on that momentum and say, I'm ready to go. But I hope they hold him out because I don't think there's any need for it. They're, they're not, even with Durant, if he would return at what we expect, maybe 80% of, of where he was last year, would they be at good first? enough to beat? At first, yeah, this season. Yeah. If he returns this season, he probably would not be better than 80% no, no, no. of the player he was. I mean, the thing, we've, we have never seen this really work out, the early return. Even we sure. can go back to the finals. I mean, he got hurt in the playoffs and then came back in the NBA finals and and ruptured his Achilles. Now, I still don't think that the Warriors pushed him out there. They but, did not. And from the Nets' perspective, I understand not ruling him out, not saying that there's no way he's going to play because you keep that carrot in front of Kevin Durant for whatever it's worth. If they feel like he needs that as motivation, if he feels like, hey, maybe by the end of the month, depending on what the season looks like, or by the end of the season, last month of the season, depending on what everything looks like, I can get out there. I don't know. Maybe that helps him as far as motivation or stave off you know, any sort of depression-related issues to just having to miss a whole season. We know how much Kevin Durant likes to play basketball. If there's one thing we know about him, it's that he likes to play basketball. But they, I, I'm with you. Do not let him play a second this season. It would be foolish, it would be short-sighted, and it would just completely be contradictory to everything that this organization, that this front office, since Sean Marks took over, has right. done, which has been take the long view, be patient, Understanding what the big picture is and the big picture for this team, and it's a, a real thing that they could do is go win a championship, right. and they're not going to do it this year uh, with uh, Kevin Durant at eighty percent and Kyrie Irving doing whatever it is that he's going to do. 
So I, I'm with you. Do not play him at all. Uh, and I think most of this is, uh, I think the New York Post used the word whispers in their article. And I think it's, it's absolutely just, I don't know who's whispering it, but I don't trust these whispers. Yeah, neither do I. And I'm glad you brought that up because that was my point too, is that even if he does return at, at the very best that we might expect from him, I don't see the Brooklyn Nets being as good as either the Milwaukee mm. Bucks or the Philadelphia 76ers. So you're not even getting out of the East. Why rush your best player back to potentially risk long-term, even more long-term injury when you have a realistic title window? You know, you can win a title next year. You can win a title two years from now. You can win multiple titles during that span. Kyrie's yeah. young. KD's still young. They're, they're still, you know, if, if, if Durant returns to full health, he could be an impactful player for another five, ten years. And, yeah. and I think that I mean, you have that opportunity. You don't want to blow it. And I, I think Sean Marks knows enough about yeah. this. Like, he's always, well, like you said, had that long view. And the, the player people keep looking at is Kobe Bryant, who needed eight months to recover from that Achilles tear that That's he ridiculous. had. Yeah, he was Similar, never the same. And he was never the same. And he returned to a team that was, the title window was shut. Yeah, the only reason building. he came back was just to be Kobe Bryant and to keep getting those stats up and do whatever it is that Kobe Bryant likes to do. The only reason he returned is just because of that. Kevin Durant, when he returns, the goal will be to go win a championship. And so when he returns, he needs to make sure that he's ready to do that, right? If in to do that, he needs to be the best player in the NBA, I think. I think that's fair or one of the top two best players in the league. We don't know if that's even a possibility for him because a lot of times we see these guys come off, come back from these Achilles, and that's just not the case. Historically, especially for guys his size, I mean, he's seven feet tall. Right. The, the history for guys coming back from an Achilles is not great. So I say the Kobe Bryant example is probably the worst one, and I don't know why people keep pointing towards it, but the, I, would be, I would be taking as much time as possible making sure that he is 100%, a 100% hundred percent ready to go and that he is proving that behind the scenes in practice and that he looks like the Kevin Durant of old because this team won't get to where it wants to go if he's not that yeah a very good point coming up next can Clay Thompson get to another gear for the Warriors you're listening to Locked on NBA long day at work still stuck at the office treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash Right now, our listeners can get $5 off the first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code LOCKEDON. Doc Rivers says that Kawhi won't rest as much as he did with the Raptors last season. We'll talk about that next. But we'll stick in California, where Clay Thompson told Marcus Thompson of The Athletic that before going down with an ACL tear during Game 6 of the NBA Finals, that he, quote, Felt like the best version I've ever felt of myself in that NBA Finals. He continued, I honestly felt like I was at the peak of my NBA career up to that point. I was at my best. The way I was shooting the ball, the way I was playing defense, I felt like I was one of the best players out there. In past series or NBA Finals, you know, I've been able to defer. But in that series, I felt like I was just close to unstoppable as I've ever been. Now, David Thompson is still recovering from his injury, but is expected to return midway through the season. When he does, what version of him do you expect to see this season, and could he elevate his game even further? I'm not so sure about that last part. Like, how much how much more can we get out of Clay uh, other than the version that we've seen from him? Like, I, I think Clay has always been, despite playing on the Golden State Warriors, you know, and, and winning the number of titles that he has and being an All Star and everything else. There, there still seems to be kind of an under-the-radar aspect to him. You get Kevin Durant there, obviously that changes things. Draymond's always going to be 
you know, commanding a lot of attention for better or for worse. Steph Curry is Steph Curry. Clay is kind of the quiet behind the scenes guy who just is very, very good at what he does. And I don't know how much more of that there can be. Like we've already seen this version of this team a few years ago before Durant joined. And I think, you know, obviously Clay was a very, very good player at that point. I think he will continue to be a very good player. I think he'll bounce back from injury. I'm not too worried about, unlike Durant, I'm not too worried about the long-term impacts Mm. of the injury. I just think he's going to be a very, very good defender. I mean, if if anything, it seems like his role will just elevate, but him him in, in a vacuum as a player may not get better, but his, he just might be more consistent, consistently relied on to go score. I mean, the re the the thing that's being unsaid here in, in Clay's quote to the Athletic is that basically without Kevin Durant he got the ball a whole lot more. That's basically <laughs> that's, what he's saying, right? And, and look, point. he 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 averaged twenty six points per game in that in those finals while guarding Kawhi, and he had thirty points in thirty two minutes before going down in that game six that he was talking about. We know that this is a guy who can go out and score in bunches and just get hot like no other player in the NBA can. And I think that will always be there for him. But if he's also if he's getting those big spurts while that that maintaining just a greater line of efficiency or, or productivity, I should say, throughout the eighty-two game regular season in the final, I think we could see another level, in, in, so to speak, with Clay Thompson. But again, that level will be more due to him just getting an increased usage than it was for him just getting better as a player in a vacuum. I mean, these last two seasons with Clay or, or with with playing with Kevin Durant have been the lowest usage percentage seasons he's had since Durant or since since he's been an all-star type player. And I expect that to whip back to, you know, something closer to what he was getting before KD got there and just being relied on a whole lot more for scoring. How do you see the the D'Angelo Russell factor playing into it? Because obviously we're not sure what's going to happen with mm-hmm. Russell, whether or not they even keep him on the team long term. I think the expectations are that they're going to move him midway through the season. I, I don't I don't know exactly what the rationale is behind that, but I know there are a lot of people who assume they're just gonna have kind of kind of test what impact. Yeah, it and can I, have I, on the I, I I just I think that people writing that off as as just something that's gonna happen is 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 a little foolish. I I don't think that any smart front office would operate that way. I think you just say, All right, this is a good player coming off an all star season. He doesn't fit exactly with what we want to do or have done historically, but Let's see what it looks like. Because why would you just kind of commit yourself to trading this guy if he becomes a great player and you can't get the type of value you want back? The reason people say this is because eventually, to loosen up the cap, you might want to trade a guy with D'Angelo Russell's salary to increase to increase depth, to get back assets. I mean, you trade typically a player like that who has value, and it's either him or it's one of the core trio of Steph, Clay, and Draymond, and that's not going to happen. So... Um, I think that's the reason why people go down that path, and I will say it's de- definitely a, a possibility. I just wouldn't write it off as something that's absolutely going to happen. But that said, Clay's not going to have to defer to D'Angelo Russell. That's not going to be the expectation there. De- like the way Clay had to defer to Kevin Durant for obvious reasons, he doesn't have to do that for a guy like D'Angelo Russell. He has equity in that team. He has an institution there that d'angelo russell just doesn't have and that and d'angelo russell doesn't have the type of talent that kd does walking into the situation where everybody should defer to kevin durant so um i think d'angelo russell is going to fit well i i think that people are going to be surprised by how 
good it's going to look. There is going to be some pick-and-roll aspect that I'm sure Steve Kerr is going to add, but I also don't think D'Angelo Russell is limited to just being a pick-and-roll player. People say that because that's all he did in Brooklyn, but I think people are foolish to look at players that way. Players can do multiple things. D'Angelo Russell hasn't always been a pick-and-roll player. They can play in a lot of different ways. Just because that is what he has done doesn't mean that is what he will do. And so uh, I think it'll be okay from a talent level. But again, I don't think Klay Thompson is going to have to defer to him. And then there's that other thing here where D'Angelo Russell and Steph Curry are going to be starting in that backcourt while Klay Thompson is recovering. And when Klay Thompson comes back, he probably fills in at small forward. And you're probably going to have all three of those guys playing on the perimeter. And I think that could work. We've seen three guard units work in the past. We've seen it work in Houston for several years. And to call Klay Thompson a guard is pretty generous because the dude's 6'7". He could play small forward just fine. Like I said, he guarded Kawhi in the playoffs. He's guarded LeBron James one-on-one. He can play that position, no problem. Yeah, and to add to your your point about his equity in the team, I think if you look at the top playmakers in that group, either Draymond or Steph, chances are they're probably going to go more often to Clay, who they have a very well-established comfort level with rather than D'Angelo Russell. Not a knock on Russell, but I think they know a little bit more about Clay, where he likes his spots, and the fact that he can get as hot as he does, I think they'd rather go to him more often than possible. And so I, I think you brought up a very good point. And they don't and play the same position. They don't play the same. Clay Thompson is not going to be all of a sudden running the pick and roll. He is not a guy who you want necessarily even dribbling. When he scored that 60 points, didn't <laughs> yeah, he dribble like 11, twice? 11, <laughs> I think it was, yeah. <laughs> it was, he doesn't, he's not a guy that puts the ball on the floor. He just, that isn't him. So whether it's, you know, Draymond Green and Steph Curry running their little two-man game and kicking it out to Clay, as opposed to kicking it out to Clay or or Kevin Durant, or having Kevin Durant become an, just run an isolation possession, you know, here and there several times a quarter, that's not going to be a thing anymore. If D'Angelo Russell is running pick and roll with Willie Cauley-Stein, then who's going to be the benefactor of that? It's going to be Clay Thompson out there on the three-point line, ready for that drive and kick situation. I... I see no reason why Klay Thompson isn't going to have the ball more in his hands. I don't think, again, he's not going to be a playmaker all of a sudden. He's just going to get more passes thrown his way. Yeah, that, that seems fair. I, I think, look, he's he's got to be put, you know, putting out there as much confidence as possible. That's just who he is, I think, as a person generally. And as a player, as a superstar athlete, you want to always be focused on something positive and the positive outcome. And so it makes a lot of sense from that perspective. Oh, I, and I think he believes this. And by the way, he played really well in those finals. I think that's why he's, he's talking about this, is that he looked like, hey, I'm guarding the, maybe the best player in the league, certainly the best player in the league right now in Kawhi, and I'm also putting up 26 points per game. Yeah. So, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And, uh, and it, I just don't know, as far as his skill set is concerned, I don't think there's another level to it. He's just going to be a little bit more comfortable and getting more opportunities, higher usage, et cetera. So I just, he's like you said, he's not going to develop into a, a suddenly a great playmaker for others. He's always pretty solid in that regard. He's also or a very good defender. He's just, like I said, also, you know, under the radar. And so you tie all these things together and he's, he's ripe for a pretty awesome season. And for the Warriors to do what they're going to want to do, it's going to be Steph and Clay that need to elevate their games this year along with everybody else. Buy or sell is next. You're listening to Locked On NBA. We'll wrap up today's show with a game of buy or sell. Doc Rivers told The Athletic that the Clippers are planning to scale back Kawhi Leonard's load management. Are you buying or selling that Kawhi will play more than 60 games, which is how many, play he, made, how many he played last season in this regular season? So 60 games, buying or selling? I'm buying. I think he's going to play more than 60. I think... Um... I think he feels comfortable. I think there was a little psychological impact there regarding, um, you know, his move from San Antonio to, to Toronto. I think he had to kind of slowly work his way back. 
if anything, he showed in the playoffs that he could handle the the rigors of regular play. And obviously, while there's more at stake during the playoffs, and you understand why he's playing as regularly as he is, I, I think I think the Clippers are too invested in the season. Much like what we talked about with Brooklyn and Kevin Durant, I think the Clippers are facing something similar, where they kind of have to build on on the momentum that they've captured this season. And I think in order to do that, they want to have their best player go out there as often as possible just to kind of slowly build it. Whether they, you know, increase that load management next season and beyond, that's possible. But for now, you want to have Kawhi, for better or for worse, as the face of that franchise. You want to have him be the, the player that's visible. I, I think he'll play all 41 home games whenever possible. Mm. And I think I could see him certainly playing more than 20 games away from the team, too. I'm buying it because... Home court advantage is going to be really important in the West. That's a good point. This season. I mean, um, uh, David Thorpe for True Hoop uh, pointed out that last season 13, or uh, yeah, teams with home court advantage won 13 out of 15 times last postseason. Home court advantage matters, and it's going to matter a lot in the West this year. The, the Raptors won 58 games last year with Kawhi only playing 60 games, but the Raptors were a really good team with a whole lot of depth. Now the Clippers do have a lot of depth, but they're based around Kawhi Leonard. They're going to need him to play. And maybe it's not 82 games, but even if he plays 70 games, that's a whole lot more than the 60 he played last year. That's 10 more, and I think that's probably what we're going to see. Doc Rivers said that he'll monitor it on a game-to-game basis, and that he'll take, he'll, know, he'll take a break when he needs to. I would imagine that's probably going to be at the, the second night of back-to-backs or you know, three games and four night type situations or whatever. But the NBA schedule in general has scaled those back as well. Right. So there's going to be less of those sort of scheduled resting days. And it'll be more up to the trainers and Kawhi himself. And I think Kawhi is going to want to take, to, to manage his own load a little bit. But uh, it won't certainly be in the, in the same way it was last year. How is, is Doc typically with, with load management? Because I'm trying to think if... He didn't, you know, Chris Paul was going to play regardless, and uh, although he would yeah. eventually break down in the playoffs, I don't think Doc was ever the one necessarily responsible for kind of I, getting I, the star player out there. I, I, it's, he's a player's coach, and so I think he'll listen to his players in that way, um, but he's never been a guy who, I mean, but we've never seen it to the extent that we saw it with Kawhi last year either, so it's That's hard to point. make that comparison, but uh, I think he'll listen to him. Lonzo Ball says that LeBron James was his best mentor with the Lakers, saying, quote, the person who's mentored me the most in last year is probably LeBron. Just being with him pretty much the whole year, same team, same bus, same hotel. I was always just with him and just picking up what I can from the greatest to ever play, end quote. Are you buying or selling that Ball was being mentored by LeBron, the player at the middle of Lonzo getting traded? I'd buy it. I, I do think that. I, I think I could see that LeBron is more aware that the the game is bigger than just what happens within the confines of the team and I think he does take a certain amount of pride in being the guy who can kind of open doors for everybody like I I think he can you know teach a guy like Lonzo Ball how to handle his celebrity how to become a better player and maybe he saw enough potential there if if, if for no other reason than because it's self-serving like if he if the trade hadn't been consummated and for whatever reason Lonzo Ball remained on the team you know, you kind of need him to be a superstar player. You kind of need him to be mm. uh, the best version of himself. So why not take that opportunity to mentor him anyway? And I, I think LeBron is a kind of player who probably likes hearing himself speak, and I think he likes being heard. And, and as a result, I'm sure he's probably taken the young buck under his wing more often than not and, and kind of just showed him life through LeBron's lens. And uh, I, I could see it. I don't see any reason why he wouldn't. Yeah. I, I mean, to be honest with you. Well, 
Lonzo says just being with him pretty much the whole year, same team, same bus, same hotel. Doesn't really talk about LeBron actually taking him into the game film session and and, make, and helping him learn. I'm not saying that didn't happen, but the point is just being around a guy like LeBron, seeing how he works, seeing how, that stuff is real, seeing how he practices and all these things. That stuff really is, it matters. And, and the other part of this is that LeBron spoke highly of Lonzo Ball when he was on his way to the Lakers. I think that he can, at the same time, be high on Lonzo Ball, but also want to trade him for Anthony Davis. I don't think that those things are mutually exclusive. I think it's just saying, hey, I like Lonzo Ball, but Anthony Davis is one of the five best players in the league, so let's go get that guy. And it's probably going to take Lonzo Ball to go get that guy. Now, the other part of this is, I don't know what other option Lonzo had. When asked who the best mentor on the Lakers was, who was it going to be other than LeBron? Hmm. It, it wasn't going to be Kyle Kuzma. It, like, I don't know who the other guy on that. It wasn't going to be Rajon Rondo. So, yeah, it's probably LeBron. LeBron's the easiest answer. The Brooklyn Nets are ad- adopting a gray arena floor meant to evoke blacktop courts. Now, you've seen the pictures, David. Are you buying or selling the Nets, switching up their court design? Because a lot of people are in on the old court design. I'm buying it. I love it. I, I think the the evoking of the blacktop courts is probably overstating it a little bit. But as far as the aesthetic, now, it's hard to tell from pictures obviously you're it's a very very different perspective when you're on the floor as we are kind of watching everything play out but at the same time just from pictures i think it looks fantastic looks really cool and i do like the idea of trying to make it more of a black top feel especially considering that the two guys you just brought in consider themselves and i'm going to use their word here hoopers yeah, Hoopers. Sure. everybody and, in the league's a hooper but i don't know i can't recall the last time they've gone to a black court you know, a black. Well, Kevin court. Durant had the the famous uh, Rucker Park uh, showing. He like showed sure. up at Rucker Park and, and scored sixty something points or whatever. It's not a blacktop and... court anymore. That's true. The, the Rucker is a little bit more polished than it was back in the day. <laughs> but it's, I think Lou Cinder is not trotting out there and, and dunking on everything. Okay. Well, all brands are lies, basically by definition, and this branding opportunity is it's a. I just think that they're while it's not one hundred percent true, I do get the aesthetic. I get the brand appeal to it. Hey, we've got this Kevin Durant guy who all he cares about is basketball. We've got this Kyrie Irving guy who says all he cares about is basketball, even though in reality he seems to care about everything other than basketball, um, and he is still oblivious to that. However, that their Durant's brand and Kyrie's brand is basketball first, for better or worse, and for right or wrong, true or untrue. Those are the, each of their two's brands, and I think that's why, in a sense, they have gotten along the way they have off the court. Now they're going to play on the same court. And that court looks like basketball first. It looks like what the grassroots thing is for the Brooklyn Nets. And overall, to your point, looks dope. (laughs) I think it'll be really cool. Again, we'll see what it looks like on TV too, right? Because that gray could be a little problematic, I think. Um, But I I have high expectations. I think they nailed it. And Zach Lowe wrote the piece, and he talked about the details they went in to get that color, the shading of the gray, correct. That's that's an interesting point. I hadn't really thought about the TV aspect. Like we, you know, we see it in shots and and you know, yeah. uh, highly stylized video, etc. But I mean, watching it from above the stands there with that camera view that we always do, it could kind of make the arena seem a little darker. Like it's always bland, you know, like yeah. a little like yeah, a little like lunch meat <laughs> left out in the sun for too long. Yeah, there's uh, that wow, risk. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it'll look good. I think they they said they did like test broadcasts and things like that. So look, I trust Brooklyn so far. I have no reason not to. So why not? I think sure. it'll be cool. And if it doesn't work out, you just put the regular stuff back on. Call it, a, you know, chalk that up to a failed experiment. 
Remember to listen to and subscribe to new and archived episodes of Locked on NBA on Himalaya, as well as on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. If you're on iTunes, please leave us a review. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining me, David. You got it, Wes.